This is a one-to-one medium. Public speaking is not a one-to-one medium, right? If I go out on stage, I'm talking to 50, 100, 1,000, however many people. Or if I'm on a news program on the radio, I'm talking to some unknown number of people. One-to-one, I'm talking to you, Caitlin. That's all I need to focus on is this conversation with you. I'm vaguely aware that at some point somebody else will listen. But this is just a conversation. Hi, my name is Caitlin Pyatt. I'm a professionally certified marketer, and this is the Start Marketing Podcast, where small business owners can find authentic, accessible, and actionable marketing advice to help them grow and scale their businesses. I've worked in marketing for over 13 years, and it's an industry I genuinely love and a craft I believe can revolutionize and propel businesses to unimaginable growth. I'm the director of marketing at a startup, I run the Start Marketing community, and of course, I host this podcast. But I'm also a wife, a mom of three, and my house is generally always chaotic. I like learning about marketing, talking about it, and this is my favorite place to share my love of marketing. If you can't tell, I'm kind of a nerd about it. So I hope you're ready to soak it all in and start marketing. Hey, Start Marketing listeners, and welcome back to today's episode where we're going to do a deep dive into how to use podcast guest spots as a way to promote your business and your brand with our returning guest, Elaine Appleton-Grant. Elaine runs Podcast Allies, LLC, a training, consulting, and podcast production company. She's passionate about teaching solopreneurs and mission-driven leaders how to produce and grow high-quality podcasts. A lifelong journalist, she reported, produced, and hosted shows for three different NPR affiliate stations, WBR Boston, NHPR New Hampshire, and CPR Colorado. Today, her work revolves around strategic storytelling, the most powerful most purposeful ways individuals and organizations can use well-crafted stories to reach their objectives. She has written and produced audio stories or podcasts for organizations ranging from NPR and Wondery to the University of Colorado, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the Environmental Defense Fund. Elaine, welcome back. It's nice to have you again. It's great to be back, Caitlin. Thank you. Of course. Of course. All right. So last week, we had a great conversation about why being a guest on podcast is a great, inexpensive way to create brand awareness for your business. And I think everyone is ready for a scoop on how to actually get there, right? So, but also I think we're going to throw in some tips about how to be a good guest because as we started alluding to at the end of last week's episode, that is also extremely important piece to this puzzle. So how do I find podcasts where I'm able to be a guest? Well, first of all, I will say if you start down this path, or maybe even if you haven't started, you're probably going to be bombarded with coaches and programs and you know people who are starting businesses around this. And some of them can be useful. And some of the communities that have gotten started that you can join can be useful where you can you know put a profile up or um, you can look for guests for your own podcast. But it's not where I would start, to be honest, especially if we're looking at it as, you know, what's the free way to do this? Okay, there are free ways to do it. They are somewhat time consuming. But, you know, you trade one for the other when we're talking about low cost or, or free resources. What I would do to start is 
presuming you know your target market, or maybe it's two or three target markets. And if that's the case, start with one. Start with really hone in on who's my target listener. So for instance, in my case, most of my clients, my bigger clients, have been nonprofits. They've been large nonprofits. And so, you know, that's one of my target listeners. Another one is solopreneurs, like, you know, your audience, Caitlin, uh, who sometimes are also in the, you know, business for good business. Um, And so I can start by building a list of podcasts that I want to guest on by searching a few different platforms for nonprofit marketing, nonprofit communications, nonprofits, and looking for those podcasts. Um, So let me tell you about a few platforms. Um, Obviously, you can start with Apple and maybe Spotify these days, I don't recall. And so let's say, let's say I'm just looking for marketing podcasts for solopreneurs for the moment. So I look up Start Marketing because I know about your show. On Apple, I scroll all the way down to the bottom and it will give me a list of, if you like this show, you might also like these other shows. So just jot down the ones that look promising. And then you're going to wind up doing some research on those shows to make sure that they are, in fact, a good fit. So so you can use the podcatchers like Apple and probably Overcast and Pocketcast and things like that to do that. You can also go to the social media podcast listener sites. So you're nodding your head. You're probably familiar with Podchaser. Uh, Caitlin, so Podchaser has been around for a few years. They do a great job. You can create a profile on there if you're a podcaster, maybe as a listener, and you can create playlists. And it's a great way to find other shows. In fact, I know a PR company out in San Francisco that that's what they use to help their clients find and create lists of potential podcasts. Now, I just heard about another service that I just looked at this morning. It's called Riphonic, R-E-P-H-O-N-I-C. And this is a paid service. So they'll give you seven days free and they'll give you a few minutes (laughs) totally free to check it out, which I did this morning. I heard of it, but I knew nothing about it. It's a very nice, clean interface. It's really quite beautiful. And it seems to give you a lot of statistics. I don't know where they're getting their statistics from. Like they're promising download numbers and engagement numbers, which is how long listeners listen. They're promising social media numbers, et cetera. So they have a search bar and you put in, so I did this, I did this with um, nonprofit marketing. And that's that was the search term I used for all three um, platforms, Raphonic, Podchaser, and Good Pods. And in the very initial free taste, I came up with one, two, three, four, five podcasts that it was willing to show me since I haven't paid. It appeared to me that if I pay for it, I get an awful lot more than that. Um, Their cheapest version is $100 a month. It's It's not cheap. Um, but it could be worth it if this turns out to be like the pillar of your marketing. 
it could be worth it, especially because they seem to have an awful lot of great tools. So then I did the same search on Podchaser. And what was interesting is I got some different, some of the same and some different podcasts. So I'm just starting now to keep a list. I've got a list of the links to their podcasts. Then I looked at Good Pods, which is an app on your phone. And I came up with nothing when I searched on nonprofit marketing. But I came up with some nonprofit marketing podcasts when I just searched on nonprofits. So that's how I would start, but it's certainly not where I would stop. Then you want to be discerning, right? Have you done this, Caitlin? Yeah, I have. Um, It's interesting. So I have not heard of Raphonic. I use GoodPod. GoodPods is relatively new. Actually, um, I am kind of loosely connected to one of the the creators of it through another networking group. So I think I feel like it was maybe late 2020, early 2021 that Good Pods launched. So um, I think that's a platform that's still growing. But um, yes, I, I kind of use these listen notes is another one that mm-hmm. I can use and they do a seven day free trial or kind of a limited, they sort of have like a freemium model where you can have a very limited scope unpaid or you can pay to do a little bit more and kind of see, see more information. But this, the discerning part that you're about to get to is, is where, you know, the strategy really comes into play. Exactly. I mean, right now it's just a bucket, right? Mm -hmm. So you might want to, you know, start with whatever you can. Maybe you start with a list of 20 or maybe you're really, really ambitious and you start with your list of 100 and then you need to go to the show and you need to, you know, read the about, descriptions and, um, and you need to listen. And usually you can tell very quickly when a show is not for you. At least I can, as a listener, I can right now I'm an audio person and I'm very sensitive to how a host sounds. So I could be pickier than a lot of people, but you know, there's that process of elimination. Now, if you think it's for you, then listen to at least one full show and, you know, try to dip into a few more and you can usually get contact information. You know, let's say I've decided, oh, this is the perfect show. They're talking to the exact audience that I want. And um, usually you can find some contact information on a website or on Podchaser or, you know, one of these services. Raphonic, definitely. Um, another way to do it is to go to Twitter and look for their Twitter hang- handle and start following them. Uh, in fact, I think Vincent Puglisi, that's his big thing is like, let's follow them. Let's compliment them sincerely. Tell them what you like, you know, for a while so that when you do reach out to them, you're not a total stranger. So you're going to winnow your list down this way. And for instance, I have to be very careful. I I believe this is probably true about everybody. Your brand stands for something. Your thought leadership stands for something. You've got to be super careful that you don't inadvertently choose a show where their values don't match your values, right? Because you can do some damage to yourself. And 
which is one of the reasons why you really want to be pretty analytical at this stage. Does it fit? Does it have the sound quality that I, as a podcast producer and trainer, am advocating? You know, are they talking about something that I don't believe in, you know, that I actively disagree with? Are they promoting that? Um, you know, one of my biggest clients is the Environmental Defense Fund. So it's all about fighting climate change. I've got to make sure that I don't wind up on a podcast where they're saying, well, we're not really sure if climate change exists. <laughs> um, so I have to be careful. Um, so, so there's that vetting process. And then there's a whole process of, okay, you've winnowed it down. How do you pitch yourself? How do you pitch yourself, Caitlin? Well, the... The vetting process that you're talking about is really very critical. And I will tell you, if you were, if you're listening and you're thinking that you're going to, to try to do this, I can always tell the people who are sort of blindly pitching me, who haven't actually listened to an episode, who just look at maybe the past few episodes and say, Oh yeah, I saw recently you did, um, you know, a conversation on digital marketing. I'm like, yeah, because that was like two episodes ago. So when I pitch myself, I always try to go back two or three months. I will listen to more recent shows, but I will go back two or three months and I will listen to an older show and I will listen to a newer show. So I try to give myself kind of a range. I will listen to a couple because as a marketer, like you were saying, they're philosophies that I fundamentally agree with, or there are tactics or strategies that I fundamentally disagree with. And so sometimes you just don't know until you've listened to a few episodes. So I always pitch myself by making sure that I show a sincere interest in it. I've listened to at least one show, if not two or three of them, to make sure that it's a good fit. And then I do my research so that I can say, hey, you know, like you really focus on strategy for your clients and I'm the same way. And I try to create kind of that personal connection. Um, and then I include, I include a link to a page on my website that I'm super, super proud of. It tells a story. <laughs> um, it tells a story about how I make marketing kind of more relatable so I can very clearly paint a picture for the uh, for the host to say, this is exactly like how I'm going to kind of fill this gap for you. So that's kind of kind of my advice. So every now and then I will find an episode that you, or a philosophy that you just don't know until you've listened to two or three shows. And one example, I found this, this podcast and I listened to the first episode. I don't remember what the, the topic was, but I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like philosophically, we aligned so much on this. I think it was like, it was something about sharing your why and how you do it and, and things like that. I listened to two more episodes and it wasn't until that third one that I realized that this podcast was specifically for women who run multi-level marketing businesses, which is something that I I am not inherently against multi-level marketing, like people who want to do that as a way to generate income. I absolutely understand like the the mindset behind doing something like that. As a trained marketer, 
I I have bones, I have bones to pick with, you know, the multi-level marketing philosophy. And it's it's generally not with the people who sign up for it. Because like I said, I understand the mindset and I never want to knock anybody who's like, you know, trying to create income and do great things for themselves. Um, it's fundamentally the way that it is marketed to those participants that I, I tend to have a problem with. And these two women, they they had a great podcast, but it's all about how to be a better multi-level marketer. And I was like, ooh, I would not make a good guest because I inherently disagree with multi-level marketing. And, and so it's not, you know, not only is it not a good fit for me, does it, it would damage my brand to go on a show and say, yeah, here are all these great marketing tips, even though I fundamentally disagree with you. Like that's a bad look for me. But it's also not fair to them as hosts and to their audience. You don't want somebody who doesn't subscribe to your philosophy. So the, the way that I pitch myself first and foremost is with sincerity. Like it it takes far longer. And I will say this is not a strategy. It might be free, but it is not one that is quick to execute because how much how much time do you have to listen to podcasts? If you need to listen to one, two, three episodes to get a good feel, how long is that going to take you? It could be three hours if somebody runs a real long episode format. So start with the sincerity and then just make sure you know who you're talking to. Do some research. Look them up on LinkedIn. Look at their social media. You just want to make sure that it aligns with you not just from a professional standpoint, but probably also from a personal standpoint. You you don't want to kind of put yourself in bed with someone that, you know, is, is sort of going to make you cringe at the end of the day. Especially not now when purpose is more important than anything, you know, over the last year and a half, two years, it's just become really top of mind for everybody. And um, as maybe it always should be, but uh, <clears throat> should have been. But I think it's really, really crucial right now. Um, exactly. And it, no, it's not It's not a quick strategy. I think that's what services like Raphonic are trying to do is to speed up some of it, especially if you are big enough uh, that you're going to choose podcasts that only have a certain level of downloads or something, you know, that you can do some sort of statistical sorting as well. Um, and so, you know, it may well be, if it turns out that podcast guesting is really, really important to you and your brand, it may well be worth spending hundred, 150 bucks a month mm -hmm. uh, doing that and making that investment, you know, over time, it's less than you would spend, say, building your website. And so I'm not knocking it. It's just, you don't have to start that way. Yeah. I, and, and I will say, so I'm using, I just started it this month in December, um, which is when we're recording this episode when it goes, um, I'll, I'll do an update when this episode airs in February about, because the jury is still out. So I started using a platform, it sounds similar to Rafana, called Respana, and it helps automate the process of reaching out to these podcasts. You can search by podcasts, you can find the person's, it, you know, it feeds in their contact information and their LinkedIn profile, and it allows you to create like an automated email sequence to reach out to them. 
Now you have to build the sequence, right? And so I've built it in a way, just like if I were reaching out manually one by one. Um, so the the idea is that it sort of automates that and then it automates the follow-up. So if I don't hear back, it says like, hey, just checking back in. You know, did you see my first email in case it got lost in the shuffle? It's $99 a month. Jury's still out. I, you know, I just started using it, so I can't I can't say one way or the other. It has been really fantastic to help me, you know, reach out quicker. Um, however, it still takes a long time to build that list that I'm reaching out to because I'm still listening. So it pulls up, it helps you by pulling up um, the episodes so that you can listen to it. And so, but the thing is, is you still have to listen to them, right? It can't do that for you. So um, while it's helping automate a lot of the like research and helping me get through the vetting process by making it easy to find the information about these podcasts and the hosts, you still have to approach it with like a certain level of sincerity, which is have I listened to a couple episodes? And so, and you know, and then you can go in and I customize, I don't, you don't have to, but I do go in and I customize each email. So I've got like a general template, but then I always go in and say like, Hey, listen to this episode with this guest. And here was a really great takeaway or something that we really agree on. And I'd love to be able to expand on this idea for you so that they understand and they know like, this girl actually listens and cares about my content. Nothing is worse than someone who doesn't actually care. It's it's terrible. You know, as a podcast host, I've definitely received and, and producer both. I've definitely received those pitches from, you know, junior PR people who say, I loved your podcast. You know, I want to suggest so-and-so as a guest and it's not a podcast that takes guests. Mm-hmm. Right. So they haven't listened. They don't know. Um, and, you know, generally they don't get any response at all because it's just like, oh, another one, you know, and and you can't keep it's hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all podcasts take guests. So, you know, that's a that's an important thing to know. There are plenty that don't. And yeah. um, it's just one of those simple tip offs <laughs> and says uh, this is just mass mass email. Yeah. The other thing, if I can throw in a couple things, um, are having good sound equipment, making sure that you've set up as if you are a podcast host and you care about sound quality, because there's just nothing worse as a host than, you know, a guest on the other end who doesn't have headphones, doesn't use a decent mic, isn't in a quiet room, isn't in a room that is padded and has soft surfaces so that it's, you know, super echoey. Um, All of those things as a producer, we spend a lot of time trying to get that sound quality to be top notch. And it often comes right back down to the guest. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I think stands in your favor. If you can say, Hey, you know, here's my setup. And Mm -hmm. from the get go, Um, and having a, a one sheet about yourself or a media kit on your website, or someplace, a landing page, Facebook page, wherever you want to put it, that it's easy to point somebody to. Here are my topics. This is why I'm a good fit for your audience. This is what I can do. I was a magazine writer and editor for 20 years before I went into radio. And query letters are the same thing. It's, you know, what story do I have to tell 
that your listeners are going to care about Mm -hmm. very specifically. And, you know, in the case of guesting, that your listeners haven't already heard from somebody else recently, as you pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is super important to be able to fill a gap. Um, so it's not just a repeat of something that just recently was talked about on the show and that one sheet. So the one sheet that Elaine is talking about, I will link mine in the show notes. So they're super easy to create. If you have Canva, you know, pick a template, make it just look really nice. Canva's free. Um, you can go in and you can create this, a nice little one sheet. And like I said, I'll link mine so you can see it includes a little bio about me. So people understand I'm not just some like marketing person who has zero marketing experience. I tell them, you know, what I hope to like the value that I hope to bring to the show, the topics that I speak to. And then I give some sample questions. I give links to all of my, you know, to my own podcast, to my social, so they can see, I make really what it comes down to is that you're making the podcast host's job really, really easy to say, is this a good fit or is it not? If, if I have to go out and I have to do all of the research on you myself, chances are I'm going to put you at the bottom of my list. I'm not going to say you're out. There might come a time when like I, I don't have a, a list or a log list and so I'll pull someone out. But it's all about making that person's job, the host job, really easy to say, does this person align? Do they have something unique to say? Something fresh? Great. Let me set up a process to get to know them. And, and you know, typically they'll have, you know, a pre-interview or something that they're going to do with you to just double check that and make sure like, yep, this is this is good. So I will link mine in the show notes if you are curious what a one sheet looks like. It sounds intimidating, but I promise you it is very easy to put together and it will it will make you stand out among, you know, other people who are pitching themselves. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see yours, Caitlin. <laughs> so what do I do if I'm someone who maybe gets nervous or I just, you know, don't think of myself as a public speaker because I think that's that's probably something that a lot of people say like, oh, this isn't for me because I am not a, a public speaker does that, does that weigh in? How do I get around that? Or how could I maybe reframe that if I'm, if I'm in that space? Sure. Yeah. Now, so I ran an interview show for three years, um, on Colorado public radio. So I had a team of producers and, you know, we were interviewing four or five people a day, every day of the week. And so there's a whole process for, for coming up with great ideas for topics and then figuring out who your guest is going to be and then pre-interviewing that guest. We haven't even discussed that. Mm. And pre-interviewing potential guests, which is a weeding out process, which the the more experienced podcasters will do. So just because you get a pre-interview does not mean that you're going to get an invitation to the show. And But a pre-interview can help you feel less nervous because you have a better idea of this host and how you get along with the host, what kind of personality they have, whether you're a mesh, you know, a good fit or not. Um, And, you know, just like you've met somebody once and then you go out on your second date, the second date's a little easier. Uh, So that can help. I think the other few things that can really help are 
this is a one-to-one medium. Public speaking is not a one-to-one medium, right? If I go out on stage, I'm talking to 50, 100, 1,000, however many people. Or if I'm on a news program on the radio, I'm talking to some unknown number of people. One-to-one, I'm talking to you, Caitlin. That's all I need to focus on is this conversation with you. I'm vaguely aware that at some point somebody else will listen, but this is just a conversation. Um, And I think that can help. The other thing that we do in public radio is really the host's responsibility is to start like you and I talked first and we already know each other. So you don't need to use any kind of um, a gimmick or a standard question, but let's say you don't, or you've only had one pre-interview or somebody else did the pre-interview, which is very common. You can start with a question that gets somebody not just comfortable, but in the storytelling mode. So the question we used to say, all the, we at Car to Public Radio used to ask all the time is, um, tell me about your first car. And the reason we would do that is because everybody has a story about their first car. And this is, you know, you're, it's just the preamble. You can say, we're, we're recording it just for sound check, but we're not going to use it. And people, you know, get lively. Um, I've used, tell me about your first house. That gets really interesting answers. And it unconsciously puts the guest in the frame of mind of, oh, you want me to tell stories. You want me to be relaxed. If you are somebody who's got a lot of expertise, you're teaching something, particularly a scientist or an engineer, talk to me like I'm in the fifth grade. Talk to me like I'm your grandmother, you know, make it. And you want to do that anyways, even if the host doesn't say that to you. Don't use insider jargon, you know, maybe write down your top two points that you really want to get across in this interview. Not everybody. In fact, most people are not anywhere near as organized as you are, Caitlin. And so you made it very easy for me by being so organized, but, you know, most people just aren't that well organized. So you want to go into it knowing if I say nothing else in this interview, I want to make sure to get this particular point across. Mm-hmm. Breathing, no. practicing with people you know first, knowing the first few are going to be terrible and just accepting it, you know, and knowing also that people can edit. You really fumble. People can edit. Mm-hmm. I, yes, that is absolutely true. I make that note every time I send out my questions. I'm like I, I generally don't edit, but you know, um, if, if you really do need it, I will, I will absolutely edit something, you know? Um, so it, it totally, it totally happens. And I like that you are talking about, you know, thinking of it in a one-to-one term versus a one-to-many that does make a huge difference. And I like your point about writing out your kind of the, the two points that you want to make, because that's something, and I will say, I, I tell people this too. So I used to, I was kind of a nerd in high school and I did speech and debate. And something that I learned in speech is that you, you kind of write out, you bullet point what you want to say. You don't script it a hundred percent. In some cases you do, but like in the case of when you're speaking to a group or you're making a presentation, 
you know, go ahead and just bullet point out what you want to say, because if you script it and you're trying to, you know, recite a, a memorized script or you're trying to read, I had, I had a guest who read and that was a painfully, like it was so difficult to listen to. Um, and it just makes it feel not very candid. It feels very stiff. But when you're trying to recite something from memory, then you you make yourself nervous. So bullet point that out. And then I will tell you, so this is a this is a trick that I learned in when I was in high school in speech and debate. And it's something I use for presentations. And when I'm guesting, I will do this too when you're telling about the questions you ask for the stories. I will ask myself those questions. I will ask myself, you know, I'll pretend like, what if they asked me something about this? And I will audibly practice my response to them. If I'm presenting, I do it in the mirror so I can see myself and critique myself. But honestly, if you saw me practicing for guest podcast spots, you'd probably think I was a little bit nuts. It's a good thing that I work from home because you know, I'm talking to myself. I talk to myself because that's where I get the rambling out of the way. I, I find the little golden nuggets where I'm like, Ooh, I want to make sure I make that point. And I really like the way that I make this point. So my kids ask me all the time. They're like, mom, who are you talking to? And I'm like, just myself, just, just thinking, (laughs) just thinking about what I'm going to say in that interview tomorrow. That's great. So. That's great. And I cannot emphasize enough, don't read your notes. Oh my mm-hmm. God, that's the worst. Yeah. And um, if you happen to sometime in the future, go into a studio to talk to somebody, don't bring your notes with you. Even mm-hmm. if you're a scientist or an engineer, we would always tell people, we see you've got notes with you, just put them away. You know your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've gotten to that point, you know your stuff and we want a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there is a ton of great advice in here in terms of how to secure guest spots. As we kind of bring this to a close, what is the one actionable step that a listener could take to implement or begin implementing this strategy, the first little baby step that they need to take if they're thinking that this might be useful for them? Well, I'll tell you where I'm going to start for 2022, because as I said, I've been random. You know, people ask me to do podcast guest spots, and I'm always delighted to do it, but I haven't set out to make it an emphasis um, I think I'm inspired by our friend Vincent Puglisi, who says his goal is to be on 200 podcasts this year, uh, which is a very ambitious and time-consuming goal. Um, but I think the first thing that you can do is set a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I want to be on three podcasts a month, let's say. And the reason I want to be, that's the first step. What part of my business? or what part of my life or my book or whatever it is, do I really want to get the word out about? And just focus on that one piece because it's hard to focus on everything. You you focus on everything, you get nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would, I would start there and then my next step will be to make a list by Mm -hmm. using some of the sources that we discussed. 
and also my own, you know, I mean, you can do very simple research just by using the podcatchers if you want to. It's just harder to just do that. Mm-hmm. That would be the that would be where I would start. And I would start following the hosts that you like and on whatever social media platform you prefer and commenting on their stuff and but mm-hmm. being completely authentic. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. Authenticity is the, the name of the game with me when it comes to marketing, but that's something that we we didn't touch on and we're like, I'm I'm gonna try really hard not to start this interview all over again with this. But I think it's fantastic. And listeners, I hope you caught on that, you know, before Elaine told you to make a list before you go out and you connect with the the podcast guest having an understanding of how many you want to do and why you want to do it critical first step that comes down to being strategic in your business and making sure that any marketing you're doing has a purpose you're not just throwing spaghetti against the wall hoping that it sticks so that is a fantastic place to start if you think that this might be a good marketing strategy for you why what is it going to support in your business? How is it going to help move the needle for you? And once you know that, then you can go through, set your goal, you know, make your list, start taking those small, like these are fantastic little breadcrumbs that really break this down into something that is manageable to execute. Even if you don't have a lot of resources or time available, you know, start with start with one, start with one. That's all you have to do. So Elaine, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Where can listeners connect with you if they'd like to learn more? Listeners can go to podcastallies.com. And uh, in January, sorry, you're, you're publishing this in February. (laughs) February. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Listeners can go to podcastallies.com where we have a lot of resources. Uh, as I mentioned, we do produce podcasts for relatively large mission-driven organizations, but we have a great course that's split into three parts um, on podcast producing. And we will also touch on um, in the course a little bit, but mostly in individual coaching packages on how to be a great guest and how to get those guesting spots as well. So podcastallies.com for everything. Mm, That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Elaine. This has been a great conversation. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. You're a wonderful host. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. All right, Start Marketers, we will catch you next time.